You are listening to the Power of Why podcast. This episode is powered by Invest Ottawa. This is Naomi here, and in celebration of International Women's Week, I've teamed up with the Invest Ottawa team to bring to you this podcast series that highlights leading women in Ottawa. This is the third episode. It was the scariest decision that I made to migrate from Malaysia to Belgium because this meant that, well, when I was in Malaysia, I, I was already one of the faculties in the university. And uh, I had a teaching status. I had a, a large circle of friends. I had my family with me. And most importantly, living there for 15 years, I adapted to the culture. So leaving all that behind to, yeah. to be able to live my dream and then fulfill my goal and uh, become an expert in the area that I wanted uh, to be impactful, it was really like, a, like hitting a reset button for me. So, but mm. I, I really wanted to take the challenge. I really wanted to get to know that culture because uh, we are always scared of differences and not knowing what's going on in the other part of the world. So it gave me both opportunities and I decided to take it. Hi everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Power of Why. Thanks so much for being here. My name is Naomi Haile and today I am here with Nasreen Sadin Kierpur. How are you doing today? Hi Naomi, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm so excited that you've agreed to be a part of this podcast series with Invest Ottawa and The Power of Why. They've identified incredible leaders who are doing such great work here in Ottawa and abroad. And so I'm really excited for you to be here and share your story and learnings, you know, with the audience. So I'll provide a little bit of context around your work, and then we'll, we'll dive right in. So Nasreen is a senior smart grid and AI scientist at Blue Wave AI. And prior to that, she was a PhD scholar at the smart grid team in ID Lab. During her tenure in ID Lab, Nasreen successfully applied AI in four major industry projects, developing solutions using statistical modeling, machine learning, and deep reinforcement learning, which I have no idea what these things are, but basically to facilitate practical demand response algorithms for residential customers and electric vehicles in the smart power grid. Nasreen's PhD research led to several high-impact international publications and she obtained her PhD in computer science from the Faculty of Engineering at Ghent. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Ghent University? Yeah, that's correct. In Belgium in 2018. So Nasreen loves traveling, exploring different cultures, meeting new people, you know, building relationships. And what I've learned so far about her story, she's experienced a lot of life and you have stories. And I'm so excited to delve into all of those with you. And so if you can give us a little bit of context on your origin story, like how you grew up, what was your early life like? That would be great. Sure. Thank you very much for having me, Naomi. It's a pleasure. So yes, uh, as you said, uh, I, I really love traveling. Born and raised in Iran. Uh, and when I was 16 years old, uh, my parents moved to Malaysia. And since young ages, I really wanted to, uh, one, of, one of my dreams was to be able to live in, in different continents in the world. And uh, so I welcomed the opportunity of moving to Malaysia more than everyone else in the family. So uh, I have had my uh, 15 years of uh, my life I spent in Malaysia. So it's really like, uh, like another home for me. 
And uh, over there, I did my undergraduate university studies and my, uh, I took my master's degrees as well. And then I, uh, I continued working in the university for another three years. And after that, I, I really wanted to study PhD, but I wanted to, to do something that is impactful and is meaningful uh, to the entire world. And it's borderless. So everyone in the world can, can benefit from it. So given, uh, given the uh, recent, I wouldn't say recent, but uh, rather, rather recent, I would say, climate uh, problems that we are having, so I decided that the best way to contribute to the world right now is to use the power of AI and to help the world to transition toward renewable energy resources. And mm-hmm. to be able to do that, I realized that it was uh, basically around 2014 and uh, we didn't uh, really had many experts in the world uh, that specialized in both topics because it was an interdisciplinary topic, basically an intersection of artificial intelligence and power grids. So mm-hmm. I decided to move to uh, Europe, uh, to Belgium specifically, and basically I was enrolled by an ID lab, as you said, and uh, I spent about three and a half years over there as a PhD student. Then um, again, to continue living my dream, I decided to, uh, to come to Canada. Right. <laughs> I'm curious, what exactly is an ID lab and what were some of the things that you were hoping to research through your PhD studies? And why do you choose Belgium? I know a lot of questions at once, but why Belgium as well? Uh, right, sure. Uh, so ID Lab stands for Internet and Data Lab. So they basically focus on uh, application of, uh, on basically leveraging data and IoT systems to make intelligent decisions, to bring intelligence to many different applications. And one of the, uh, one of the labs that I joined focused on smart grid applications, basically the use of sensory data uh, collected from smart appliances, from electric vehicles, from different parts of the grid to crunch on data, build AI models with basically predictive optimization or predictive modeling, so on and so forth. Basically, the idea was to leverage information from the data and bring intelligent decision-making to the system. Mm -hmm. And with your choice of specifically studying in Belgium, did did this place offer you research opportunities that other places didn't Belgium and uh, Europe and specifically Belgium are one of the uh, one of the countries that heavily focus on on renewable energies and to to basically bring uh, renewable generation into into the into the power grid system However, uh, one of the reasons I, I really wanted to focus on Europe it wasn't just that but again to leave my dream of uh, being able to live in different cultures and different com- countries was actually one of the main motivations that I applied for it. And it was pretty scary, to be honest with you. It was the scariest decision that I made to migrate from, from Malaysia to, to Belgium. Because this meant that, well, when I was in Malaysia, I, uh, I, al- I was already uh, one of the faculties in the university. And uh, I had a teaching status. Uh, I had a, a large uh, circle of friends. I had my family with me. And most importantly, living there for 15 years, I adapted to the culture. So leaving all that behind uh, to, yeah. to be able to live my dream and then fulfill my goal and uh, become an expert in the area that I wanted uh, to be impactful. So uh, it was really like, a, like hitting a reset button for me. 
So, but mm -hmm. I really wanted to, I, I really wanted to take the challenge. I really wanted to get to know that culture because we are always scared of differences and not knowing what's going on in the, the, right. in the other, or other part of the world. So it gave me both opportunities and I decided to take it. Yeah, there is a lot of mystery and maybe a little bit of fear in the unknown for sure. But I think even in kind of listening to the way that you describe that learning experience and your learning philosophy in general, online you mentioned, quote, I'm quoting Nesreen here, I think the future is interdisciplinary and I'm not afraid of stepping into new research fields because that is where the excitement of learning lies, right? So if you can kind of expand on this, on what you meant here and does it resonate more now that you've kind of moved to Canada as well and started working with Blue Wave AI? I can definitely do that. Yes, the first thing I, uh, I dearly believe at is that, well, we shouldn't, as a researcher, we should be flexible to the changes that are happening around us in the world. So many years ago, maybe not more than 30 years ago, I would say, we didn't really had AI models running a power system for us. But now they are, they are coming more and more into the picture. So that is what I meant by world is interdisciplinary. All these, uh, all these lines, the hard lines around different fields of research, they are all becoming gray and the disciplines are, are basically interacting with each other. So I strongly believe in being flexible and being ready to change because the world and the way it runs are changing around us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so how did that, you know, how did you get involved with Blue Wave AI? And can you talk a little bit about the work that this company is doing in Ottawa and sort of the impact as well? Sure, definitely. One of the reasons I have chosen to work in Blue Wave AI and to actually move from an academic carrier into industry carrier, basically, uh, is, uh, first of all, uh, when I'm choosing a work, I always believe that we should give the, uh, at least the same amount of weight to, to the people that we are going to work with, mm -hmm. as well as the work itself and the status and the responsibilities. So uh, in Blue Wave AI, I have, I have really a good, uh, a great mentor that I learn on everyday basis. I learn something from him. And uh, you know the saying, uh, which, I, which I also believe in it, that we eventually become an average of the people that we interact with. Again, I strongly believe in that. And um, I also believe that Blue Wave AI, with all the experiences that I can have there, I can learn something on everyday basis. So I will never have a routine job there. So that was another reason that I chose that company. So mostly not just because of, uh, because of the sector itself, but because of the people. But in terms of, uh, in terms of the work we do also, Blue Wave AI is one of the very open-minded startups that I have, uh, I have seen in this sector. So uh, they are not scared and not afraid of uh, getting their hands dirty with new technologies. It's always risky to try different technologies, especially the new ones. It's always risky to indulge into doing something for the first time. Yeah. And I believe Blue Wave AI is brave enough to take that risk. And that kind of drew you into the organization. And you know what? Leadership is so important. And I agree. The people that you're working with as well make a large percentage of what your overall experience is going to look like, you know, not just from a learning perspective, but also growth and development and where 
everyone kind of can go as a team, you know, in building a product or service. And so um, I really like the way that you described that. I have a question around, really curious to hear your thoughts around, because you talk about different disciplines sort of interacting and colliding in, and I feel like it's always been like that, but maybe we're just paying more attention to it now. But something closely related is this, I was reading about this paradox of specificity and how important it is to sort of niche down and get really focused in an area. And I think there's, if I'm using the word balance, I don't really like that word, but I think there is almost like this scale of being focused, but then also understanding, you know, the other disciplines that are related to yours. So how do you, how do you look at, how do you look at this? From what perspective do you look at this? Sure, sure. I can, I can definitely uh, answer that. So um, many years ago, when I was an undergrad student, I always focused on crunching all the textbooks and uh, learn everything that I needed to know. And as the time changes, and when I became a PhD student, I realized that uh, it's not about only knowing everything, but it's also about being able to deliver a product, deliver a project in a timely manner and uh, learn all, uh, all the things that you need to know in order to pull it up. So I changed the way that I acquire new knowledge. So what I do is I always start from the simplest idea and I build on top of that and learn as I need it. And I have a reason for it. The reason for that is there are there is just a, the, the technology is really moving at such a fast rate. If you if you just look at the advancement that AI has made in the past couple of years, right? I believe that universities have hard time keeping up their syllabus mm. with the innovation that's going on. Or yeah. um, take the R and D for example. So R and D used to be done in the university labs, but now they are being done in companies in startups. So in order for one person to be able to catch up with all these advances at the same time, it's impossible unless you are, you are reading 24-7. And even then, <laughs> I don't think you will be able to keep up. So we have to, basically, I believe we have to have a focus on what we want to do, but at the same time, be flexible to ingest new ideas into our mainstream research. Yeah. What's your, Nasreen, what is your learning practice? It's really important now, I think, with the amount of information online and the way that things are moving, we have to like actively carve out time to just do the deep work. And so how do you, what's your learning practice like? What are you subscribed to? Like what publications do you consume? That sort of thing. Sure. Uh, it's a great question, Naomi, actually. I personally use Atlas after, I mean, uh, I could say this about my PhD maybe and after that. So uh, I, I have myself benefited from online learning much more because then I can, I can basically control the pace of learning. That's something that uh, you can't really do in a traditional uh, approaches. You can always select the context that you think uh, you need to spend more time on or so on and so forth. So I'm a very big advocate of online learning. Additionally, online learning allows the education to be available for everyone everywhere. You don't have to be in, in a privileged places, I would say, or 
or in, in, in a privileged situation to be able to have a high quality study or a high quality education. So online study bridges that gap. And in terms of publications, well, uh, I, uh, this is very funny. There was once uh, that I put a notice uh, on, on one of the topics. Uh, so every time uh, I ask a journal, uh, every time there is a new journal uh, having that, that particular keyword, I would want the journal to, to send me a notification. Yeah. And uh, after a while, there were so many notifications in one day that it stressed me out. So <laughs> I, I took the notification and stopped it. So it's, it's a great question you're having. It's one of the challenges today, how to select the best material to read. But I think as you read on, you basically uh, start to, uh, to have a grasp of, of the quality of the, of the work that uh, you're reading. But generally, most of the IEEE transactions, I specifically the smart grid transactions is one of, the, uh, one of my mainstream interests. I always try to read from that journal because I believe it's, it's one of the good ones in our category. Mm -hmm. I think we are living in a very good era, I would say. So we, uh, I think at, at this time, one can, can basically learn anything he or she wants anytime. So uh, we are really, really lucky to have that. There's great opportunity right now. And I think it simply requires a different skill set. It's not about, you know, does this thing exist? Where do I find it? And what are the reliable places where I can, you know, sort of consume this information? I would love to talk about some interesting projects that you've worked on, you know, can you walk us through maybe the vision from inception and idea all the way to some of the strategy components of one of your favorite projects, the most interesting one, it could be at Blue Wave AI or, or elsewhere. Sure, I'm, I'm very glad you asked this question. So uh, maybe, uh, maybe a technical person like me would select a technical project to talk about, but um, <laughs> I think I won't do that. I would rather, so one thing that I really love about uh, working in Blue Wave is that they, they always motivate you to push your limits and to basically come out of your comfort zone. So uh, in addition to that, my company is uh, one of the advocates of women in, in basically smart grids or uh, women who are enabling the transition toward renewable energies. And when we had the opportunity to contribute to this cause, I volunteered uh, to, to become the moderator of a panel who was featuring the women leaders from around the world and uh, from Canada who contributed impactfully in our transition toward uh, renewable energies and it was it was a big challenge my team uh, our ceo devashish paul really helped me quite a bit my teammates i'm really thankful for them they prepared me for this and it was my first time actually moderating a panel and i ended up uh, learning quite a bit and it was one of the one of the projects that challenged me and brought me out of my comfort zone so I was really happy to be able to contribute to that. And it was one of the really great recent experiences that I had. Mm -hmm. What exactly, um, and without getting too technical, because I think folks can go online and read a little bit more about what this work entails, you know, with Blue Wave AI. If you can speak more specifically about what your day-to-day -day looks like and what does this world of renewable energy like where is it going for example if you want to speak a little bit about clean energy as well sure definitely let's start from the from the smart grid itself so um the smart grid itself it's 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 a hundred years old technology we used to operate things very differently hundred years ago 
So uh, we had our generations, uh, fossil fuel generation, and then that, uh, that electricity was pumped into our transmission lines all the way and uh, to our houses. And eventually uh, we were only the consumer of that energy. But things are now changing in the, in, in the world. So first of all, there is like a layer of intelligence thanks to um, basically IoT infra infrastructure. And uh, there is a layer of intelligence uh, enabled by uh, communications uh, over the grid. So what it means is that now we as a user, we, we are not just the consumer of the final product, we can actually become a prosumer by uh, installing, for example, solar panels at our rooftops to also produce energy. We can also act and react to different demand response programs. For example, if, if you are asked to switch your certain appliances off at peak power in order to contribute, let's say, to reducing the overall peak demand, for example. So uh, we have become active customers. We are basically moving toward, towards a scenario where the customers of the electricity are active. Mm. But the, uh, one of the main challenges in this ecosystem is the fact that the renewable energy's output, it's not controllable. So we can't, let, uh, we can't control when the sun shines or when the wind blows. So from the previous mentality that we had in the system or previous arrangement that we had in the system where we have to generate as much as we need, now we have to consume what's available. So we are moving toward that mentality. So it changes many things in the, in the grid. It brings a lot of uh, decision variables to the system. So we need to understand our productions, which we can no longer control we need to uh, be able to handle the uncertainties associated with this production. And on the top of that, uh, we are also having new loads that are being introduced to the circle. We are moving toward electrification of our transport. So that brings a tremendous amount of load to our already exhausted system. So we need to understand their impact and be able to control that and uh, make it part of the solution. So all mm. these together basically mandates a new way of control. It mandates us to move from traditional model-based controls into data-driven models, where we train AI by crunching over the data and learn from it and control our system using that intelligence. Hey there, thanks for tuning into this episode. If you are enjoying the conversation, make sure to share it with a friend. Take a screenshot, spread the word. It really allows me to bring on more incredible guests as we continue to level up in the podcasting space. Um, in our last conversation, you kind of talked about how we are a consequence of our choices, you know, and I'd love for you to expand a little bit more on this and how it's impacted your, your, you know, your current roles, the decisions that you personally have decided to make along your journey? Sure, definitely. I guess I, I, I strongly believe that we eventually, we are consequences of our choices. So we are, we are who we choose to be. And I strongly believe also in the fact that access is not accident. Well, uh, there is an element of luck, but I mean, having, let's say, being in a good place in a good time definitely helps. However, eventually we build up what we are through our choices. 
So I will give you my personal example. When I, when I look back in time for, for what I have done so far, what, what is the most proud thing uh, that I have done? I think it was not being afraid of change. So embracing, uh, embracing the change and uh, basically uh, following my dream, no matter how scary it was. So that has not only made me a stronger person, but it has also helped me to understand, well, traveling around is one thing, but living in different places is totally different things. So you end up yeah. really learning more about the people and more about that place. And uh, you basically leave the culture. So I believe that what it has really empowered me to, to build relationships with my colleagues. I have friends from different nationalities from around the world. So yeah, I think that's the strongest assets that I have. And you did share an example of how that really allowed you to connect with people, right? Who are different from you. And sometimes our perceived differences actually stop us from building connections with people who we can really learn from. Do you know what I mean? And so how have you taken, it really is a skill. It really is. And it's, it's painted with your experiences of traveling and just your perspective, but how, if you can speak a little bit about the relationship building aspect and how it's helped you in your career. So uh, the very first thing that I can highlight is that it has helped me to be able to connect with people that are different from me because the difference no longer scares me. Uh, but it attracts me. If you put me in a room with a lot of people, I'm always attracted to the one that's most different from me. So I just want to love, I love learning about that person. I would like to also make this a bit personal. So as you know, I have chosen to be visibly Muslim in many non-Muslim societies by wearing my, uh, my hijab. So I, I always tell myself, you either don't wear it or wear it with confidence. You know, so this experience of traveling and living in different parts of the world, it has actually furnished me with that confidence. I'm, I'm no longer afraid of uh, representing myself as the way I am, as the way I like to be. And I believe that we can always share, I mean, we can always keep whatever that we believe in one hand and shake with the other. And this has helped me a lot over my career. I have never been in, let's say, conflict uh, with people who are different from me. So I have been able to enjoy a great cup of coffee, coffee with my colleagues, uh, regardless of uh, how they look like or what they believe in. And that is, uh, that is that I, I, I personally enjoy it on everyday basis. And I, I do encourage our younger generation to really try to not just tolerate differences, but love them and embrace mm. them. But eventually that brings such a joy to one to oneself mm -hmm. that word i that intentional word tolerate um is very interesting because i think it creates sometimes animosity as well and so i, I really appreciate how you embraced not only connecting with people who are different from you but also choosing to embrace your differences regardless of where you are in the world um can you can you share a little bit more details around that choice your choice to be visibly muslim and was it did you have hesitation at the beginning what was that process like for you yes uh i have to tell you the truth i still have hesitations from day to day you know sometimes i mean uh, you're always i believe as a human being you're always discovering who you are 
whether that is with respect to your appearances, with respect to uh, what you bring to the society. I think everyone is, including myself, we are always exploring to exploring who we are and yeah. uh, choosing who we want to be in this society. I have to be honest with you. I I still uh, I still have that that hesitation. However, whatever I decide to do at that moment, I decide to do it with confidence. But again. I believe that you have to always re-examine our choices and uh, not to be scared of putting new information in our system and evaluating that. Actually, that is, that is actually what we do in data science as well. So when the new data comes, uh, our, our artificial intelligence systems upgrade itself with that new data, learns new things from it. So right. I guess I have my job. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a fascinating parallel. That's so cool. There is um, an interview that I was listening to this morning, and I am pretty sure it was Jeff Bezos who was talking, and he said, it's okay to change your mind. Like, when you have new information, I feel like sometimes we hold, like, when you when you mentioned holding your beliefs in one hand and shaking in the other, um, that's such an interesting <laughs> that's such an interesting way to phrase it. But sometimes our current beliefs hold beliefs put us into boxes that don't allow us to shake and challenge what we currently believe. And in some cases, it actually holds us back. And so for you, how do you look at your beliefs and how closely do you actually like cling on to them? What does this mean to you right now? Sure. Um, let, let me put it in, in two different contexts. So personally, I, I always strongly believe that we have to, uh, we have to base everything on respect. So as long as we respect each other, uh, as long as we embrace each other, then uh, we can live happily together. Uh, and eventually we are all sharing the same planet. So uh, I strongly believe that uh, respecting, even if you don't agree with something, you can always yes. still respect it. So that, that is my philosophy. Uh, and this actually happens in our workplace also. You know, working in a startup, that is aggressive with new technologies, there are always, we are always bringing our A game to a project that we need to deliver. And we only have 168 hours per week, right? So uh, there are always the idea of, we are all from great minds and there are always technologies that, uh, the ideas that we bring to table. There are times that we disagree that, okay, I, I believe we should use this tech and the, uh, my colleague, would disagree with me but we have to at one point we have to trust each other's judgment and respect each other's judgment and that is how we indulge and we de-risk let's say moving toward unknowns or towards something that has been tried before so i believe that in the context in, in personal life as well as in my workplace currently where we are uh, we are always uh, trying new things respecting and trusting each other plays an important role I completely agree. I think disagreement is actually really healthy. And the better question is, how do we resolve this? Like, how do we learn from each other, even if we disagree? Because it challenges you also to know what your point is and, and come prepared. And then also, at the same time, be willing to listen to other people and what they have to say and their opinions. So that's really beautiful. Exactly. And I also believe that everybody knows something, but not everyone knows everything. Right. So we can always learn from each other. Right. Yeah. I would love to switch gears a little bit and talk and talk about your vision of 
success? Because you mentioned, you know, in, you know, in your early career, when you were looking at what type of work that you want to engage with, that impact piece was really important for you. And so how do you define success? And what's your vision for what, what you want to build? Okay, this is a tough question, Naomi. How we define success? I, I there are there are many um, there are there are many ways that uh, success gets gets defined. You know, let me think about it a little. You know, there is a saying from Einstein that if you judge a fish by its ability to fly, then uh, it will live its life thinking it is stupid. Yeah, and um, I have always believed that the road uh, to become an expert starts from feeling stupid. So success has many, many different meanings to people. But in my opinion, being successful means being useful to this world. The world existed before before us and it's going to exist, hopefully, if you bring more renewable energy into the system and uh, combat the climate change, it's going to exist long after us. I believe how we impact the world, in my opinion, defines what kind of a person we were, whether we were successful or not. And... Uh, I have to also mention that, as I said, being successful, it should not, it should not be looked at as, as a destination. I think it's a journey. You have to, you, as long as you have lived your life to the fullest at every day after you spend the day, if you have learned something, if you are happy about it, then you can call yourself successful. And more importantly, if you look at your past, uh, past life, do you feel happy and accomplished or fulfilled or do you feel regret. So uh, I think those elements define success. But I, I don't think I can really answer that with a measure. You know what, I've, on my short time here, I've, you know, the greatest things you can't measure. And um, I think the way that you kind of redefine the question, as opposed to saying, you know, am I successful into asking, how am I being useful? And Am I, am I making the most use? Am I enjoying my time here? Did I learn something? Like these are all such powerful questions to ask and success looks different for different people. And I think not being confined to what society tells you success is and in fact, just defining it for yourself and knowing, just being self-aware around what that looks like is really important. That's really amazing, Nesreen. Thank you very much. Uh, I, I, I totally agree with you. And I believe strongly that sometimes our mindset is one of the biggest limitations and not, not only the society. We have to think out of the box. And as long as we are doing it, I don't think anyone will be able to hold us back. Okay. This is what I'm curious about, Nesreen. You mentioned one of the most difficult th- decisions that you made was to move to Belgium. Like there was fear associated this is the unknown. I've built up my career, my family's here, my friends. Do you see risk as the step, the things that we don't do rather than the decisions that we do make? Like you mentioned regret in your last comment. So how do you look at risk today in 2021? And do you think it's actually riskier not to do the thing that that you feel like you're being called to do? Well, uh, in my opinion, coming out of your comfort zone, following your, whether you want to follow your dreams or you want to accomplish something, there are always risks associated with becoming better of yourself. But then the question is, to what extent can you reduce that uncertainty? How, uh, how can you, let's say, de-risk the risk? 
So I always, for my, in my, uh, in my opinion, I, I always vote for doing things rather than not doing it. Because if you do things and you fail, then at the least that you have in that scenario is the experience. You have to have a measure to, uh, to basically be able to reduce that uncertainties. Uh, tying it to my example. So when I decided to move to Belgium, so the very first thing I did was to start learning about the culture, simple things like how people greet each other or how people, I mean, I, I tried to find out whether I will be able to live in that society. And uh, well, there is, there is only so much research you can do, but you have to live it to understand whether you're capable of doing it. Uh, there is this very nice quote that my, my CEO, Devashish Paul, has. So he always tells us, you, you never know when the party is, but make sure you're ready, dressed up and ready. <laughs> if there is a party, then you enjoy it the most. You know, so uh, I, I, I very much practice this. I always try to be ready. And if there is an opportunity to fulfill my dreams or to improve or to advance my career, you name it, small or big, anything. I always work and try to be ready for that. And honestly, luck will come. You'll, you'll meet the right people, you know, when you're prepared and are able to see opportunities for what they are. This is such a great way to kind of, you know, wrap up our conversation here. Right now, you're, you're in Dubai, and I was wondering, what are some of the best investments that you've made, whether it's time or uh, resources or like choices that you've made that have helped you navigate, you know, the uncertainty of what 2020 was and what 2021 can be. Awesome. There are many answers to this question. <laughs> I'm just wondering which one to pick. So the current situation that the world is experiencing, it was such a big challenge. It still is. But I mean, look at the full part of the glass. It also taught us many things, right? So uh, there are many things that we can be taught we could not do and we are capable of doing it now. Take a look at our lifestyles now. We have learned how to efficiently work from home. In fact, I will tell you a secret. A lot of my friends, they told me that, including myself, I think I, I had that experience. I end up talking with my friends and family more often because they were all over, all around the world and I just didn't have the time to, to you know, talk with them and now we know that we can actually use uh video calls uh, and we have <laughs> so the point is that human adapts just think about the pandemic it was a more urgent issue and we all adapted our lifestyles to compete it right just look at the climate change on the other hand it is equally dangerous However, we are not taking it as serious as the pandemic. The chances of a world, well, I wouldn't want to use collision, but world coming to the end because of pandemic is zero, but because of climate change is high. So uh, I think this recent challenges that we are dealing in the world, it has, it has made all of us to think about different ways of doing things, because eventually that is within all of us as human beings. We finally always find a way to do things. For me personally, the fact that I was always open to doing things differently and adapt and be flexible when needed, uh, it really helped me a lot in this transition. I'm really inspired by your story and all of the work that you've been doing over the years to essentially get aligned you know, with what are the issues that you are most um, passionate about 
and what kind of skills you bring to the table, whether it's research, you know, all of your experiences, your insights into actually being like useful, like a useful change agent in this space. So I highly encourage everyone to connect and learn a little bit more about Nasreen and the work that she's doing at Blue Wave AI. I will have a link to her LinkedIn in the show notes so you can check her out. Do you have any like final words that you'd love to share with everyone before we, before we head out? Oh, thank you very much, Naomi. It was such a pleasure talking to you. And as I said, we are not who we are. We are who we choose to be. A quote from Harry Potter. <laughs> You know what's funny? I just recently watched the whole series. Like me and my my friend has been obsessed with Harry Potter for years, right? And I never, I probably watched snippets of one film, but never in its entirety. And we took Halloween weekend to watch everything. And it was such a, it was such a great series. So great way to great way to end the episode. Thank you everyone for listening to the special series that the Power of Why and myself are doing in collaboration with Invest Ottawa for International Women's Week. And so thank you for listening to this episode. We'll catch you in the next one. You can find the show notes at www.naomihiley.com. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to The Power of Why on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode was powered by Invest Ottawa and their 2021 International Women's Week initiative. To learn more about the week and how you can get involved, visit www.investottawa.ca forward slash IWW.